Oh, Kristen. Kristen's up. <laughs> How'd I get up here? <laughs> here we go. All right, I'll take it over. I'll take Where'd it over. I'll, I'll introduce <laughs> the show, I guess. Welcome, everyone, to Casa Live. You know, every time we go live, I usually wait, and I'm like, okay, let's see if audio and video and everything is good. But so far, every episode, every show that we've done, Everybody says it's okay. So apparently all of our internet works almost all of the time, except occasionally Alex has to switch internets and do some crazy things. But otherwise, it typically always works. So I think we're live. I think we're good. I hope everybody can hear us. Welcome to Casa Live. Um, this is, I guess, oh, oh, vicious, wild attacks. <laughs> wild. This is a... Uh, Casa gone wild right now. Can you hear the? <laughs> can you hear the the cats and the? Anyways, I think it's time for some. Hey, how are you? And last week we started with Kristen. So Alex, hey, how are you? Doing all right. Uh, having a slow Saturday, sort of, and uh, it's nice here. We got we got sunshine and some. Uh, I don't know, high seventies for the Fahrenheit's. Um, did you get a lot of the rain last week? We got some. Yeah, we need some more. Yeah, man, that's all we got this last week was rain. So like I told you, we so we're in the rain shadow of the Adirondack Mountains. Mm-hmm. So we get weather, but it's not as intense as um, some of the points to the west. Right, everything hits that, that mountain range and just kind of fizzles out before it gets to you. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, well... I'm glad that you're doing well. I'm glad that the sun is shining up there. It's same here. It's just bright, beautiful, blue sky day. It's been yeah. wonderful here. Kristen. Hey, <laughs> hey how are you? Clyde. <laughs> Clyde's mad that he can't come be on the show, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. He's welcome about. to join. He's welcome to yeah, join. You might hear him occasionally. My husband just went and grabbed and put him downstairs, and I just saw him peek around the corner again, so he's right back up here. <laughs> He's but like, oh, you're that, live? Let me yeah. let me come say hi. <laughs> oh, goofy cat, very goofy cat. Like I said, he, there he goes. See, he's like a hundred years old. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. That's all that's gone in my life. Lots of animals, oh, just, cats, just dogs, cat life. and it was raining cats and dogs earlier. But um, yeah, nothing new this. Nothing new this uh, this week. Just been working and keeping busy. Yeah. That's about it. My life's kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> I ca- I feel you there. I mean, all I do is work. That's it. That's all I do. Work and soccer and kids. That's it. Just work and soccer dad life. That's all I got going on right now. That's the majority of my summer. But yeah, that's that's my week too. That's how I'm doing for the hey, how are you for me is it, it rained all week. Uh, I felt bad. My little one has been rained out four times for soccer this year. Four games uh, rained out. And last week, like 15 minutes before the game even started, it just opened up lightning, thunder, the whole nine. And we were like, all right. Like, I, w- I would be okay with all the kids playing in the rain. Like, sure, get muddy, be kids, play soccer, right? But uh, the second we get lightning and thunder, they have to yeah. they have to call it. And and I totally agree. It's safety for the kids. You know, it's a safety issue. But let them play in the rain. You know, let them let them get muddy. Let them play soccer. Have fun. That's that's my take. That would have been me. I would have wanted to play in the rain. But um, 
But all right, I think I think we're good on hey how are yous. So uh, I think this is probably most likely the time of the show here where we do we do this. Legislative rundown time, Alex. The floor is yours, sir. What do we have going on this week? What do we need to keep our ears and eyes on? What's happening, man? Well, so much for the summer doldrums. Um, uh, a lot more to talk about this week than last, for sure. Um, so I'll get right into it. Um, at the uh, at the state level, uh, this is for Oregon. Uh, we didn't have an engagement up for this. Apparently, there was sort of um, a little bit of uh, forced bargaining that happened. I think the... Uh, advocates in the industry in Oregon had a choice between a flavor ban or a remote sales ban. Uh, the legislature did, in fact, uh, this is also a correction sort of from last week's update. Um, uh, this week, uh, the legislature passed HB 2261. It is enrolled. I think it may or may not still be waiting for uh, the governor's signature. Um, that, that may have happened already. Um, uh, but this, it, this prohibits shipping products to customers. Uh, so you can still ship between businesses, distributors, and so on, uh, but that's it. So if, you've, uh, if you're shipping to a retailer or distributor, that's still allowed, but you cannot do business to consumer shipping uh, in Oregon. Um, the next thing to bring up is relatively new. If uh, you, you weren't paying attention, I think for the past like two or three years, um, I have this up as stopping a vapor tax because that's kind of the most impactful thing to consumers uh, out of this package. But uh, this is a package of bills and you can see all of them listed there. Um, some of you may remember uh, this raft of legislation where everything was tie barred, uh, meaning that you know all the bills have to pass in order for all of these things to take effect. Um, and uh, so right now, I'm sort of zeroing in on SB 572 in Michigan. Uh, this would impose a, uh, an 18% wholesale tax on open system products, a 60 cent per milliliter tax on pod uh, systems uh, on the pods, uh, and a uh, 50 cent per ounce tax on alternative nicotine products, which is becoming the sort of legislative term used for nicotine pouches. Um, and that I believe is actually higher than the uh, smokeless tobacco tax in, in Wisconsin. So um, I think something that we had probably mentioned early in the year uh, was, or probably last year at some point, um, paying attention to regulations affecting nicotine pouches. Um, and of course we saw the bill in New York, Linda Rosenthal, uh, coming after the flavored nicotine pouches is just expanding the flavors narrative. Um, so anyway, um, this is something that will likely become an issue, I believe, closer to September. Um, Michigan that are still sort of in session uh, is on a summer break. So there's there's like one or two legislative days between now and September. Um, so uh, we haven't blasted this out to everybody in, in Michigan just yet, uh, waiting for that to be a little closer to when the legislature comes back. Um, but this is something that may be taken up 
um, and uh, discussed and moved with some urgency. Uh, so putting that on everybody's radar now. Uh, and of course, uh, if you live in Michigan, by all means, take advantage of our pre-written message here, edit it with your personal story and send it off to your lawmakers. Um, having a nice kind of steady flow of people expressing their concerns about these uh, this this raft of legislation uh, is a good thing. Um, and we'll look for a, a much more significant push towards September. So that is Michigan. Uh, the next one we have, just bringing this up again, because uh, Rhode Island is another state that is on a summer break, and we need to repeal a flavor ban. Um, some may remember the flavor ban was made permanent, I believe, by Department of Health rule um, last year. And we have two bills now, H5548 in the House and S920 in the Senate. Um, these would undo that flavor ban and allow for, for flavored products to be sold in Rhode Island again, instead of forcing people to travel to other New England states, um, which is exactly what has happened. Um, and so just putting this on everybody's radar, once again, um, this had a public hearing in June, uh, and uh, it sounded like they, they wanted to talk about it some more. Um, so there's some old information on here, but just want to put it back on people's radar to continue making contact with lawmakers, encouraging them to move these bills along. Uh, and we'll have something a bit more organized and direct as we get back to Rhode Island coming back into session. Um, moving on to Maine, LD 1550, make sure I got that correct is a flavor ban bill. Um, there was a bit of um, a bit of a reprieve in the budget negotiations. Uh, language similar to LD 1550 was uh, suspected or, or there was a risk of that being included in the state's budget proposal. It did not make it into the budget proposal. Uh, I think uh, part of that had to do with a loss of revenue um, because this also bans uh, mint, menthol, and wintergreen, uh, which makes up a significant portion of, of course, cigarette sales, but also smokeless tobacco sales. Um, and so uh, this is still very much on the table. It is still being discussed. Uh, and our engagement is, uh, of course, current and uh, encourage people to send messages. Uh, if you can track down your lawmaker's phone call, perhaps you can call them up and leave a message. Uh, I'm not too sure about whether or not we'll have hearings on this or not, um, but Maine, uh, I believe, is coming back for special session uh, to deal with other legislation that didn't get addressed during the normal session. I think that's kind of how it goes. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, LD 1550, a flavor ban in Maine, still a concern. Uh, and could still use, uh, you know, making contact with lawmakers. Moving right along. Isn't uh, familiar with who their lawmaker is. We have a handy dandy uh, tool on the site that you can use. I believe it's get involved. Yep. Legislator lookup. There you right go. there. Thank you for walking me through that because there you I go. Right there this. it is. Yeah, there it is. So if you, if you don't know who uh, represents you, you can find out really easily right here. I believe you yep. can do it right from your state page too. 
it's like if you go to Maine State page, well, it's got the legislative info on the uh, left-hand side. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see find your reps. And that takes you right back to that same page too, so. Perfect. So uh, back to moving right along. Uh, California, uh, Windsor, California. Uh, this is a town, I believe, of 27,000 people. Um, this is a total ban on sales of vapor products and a flavor ban for other tobacco products, including low-risk smokeless tobacco and, uh, and cigarettes, of course, and, and cigars. Um, there was a hearing on this. It's, it is an interesting look at um, city officials' understanding of the process and the laws. Uh, thankfully, <laughs> I, I believe the, it was either the, the town manager or city manager or the city attorney was on hand to answer these questions. So here's what, what happened. Um, they discussed the bill and uh, there were some uh, issues, mainly the issues that were brought up were in relation to retailers and retailers losing a significant portion of their sales. Um, also the transfer of um, uh, licenses from one business to another. And so uh, council members mainly focused on that, the economic impact to those businesses. Uh, but they are all pretty much in agreement that they want to ban flavors and they want to ban vaping. Um, so, uh, wasn't adding menthol one of the things they wanted to make sure because they weren't sure if menthol was on there and the mayor seemed pretty, I watched, I watched I, some of it, not all of it, but yeah, I just I remember keep... that was, it was the licensing, being able to transfer that, how nice of them to let people when they sell their business do that. Cause otherwise it loses a lot of value. That was their, the the retailer's point was if we want to get out because you're doing this to us, <laughs> is that what it was? We really can't because you've just completely devalued our, our business value or business because of the mm-hmm. not having the tobacco license, you know? So yeah, it was, it was, a, it was pretty vicious in a way, you know, but then they were like, Oh yeah, we didn't think of that. Yeah. So, just just sort saying? of, sort of keeping in the theme of uh, a little uncertainty here. I, 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 I didn't quite, pick up on the menthol conversation, but yes, I, I think whatever, whatever flavor it is, they want to add it and they would like it to go away, including all vapor products. Um, and so what happened is uh, there there was a vote to kind of move to uh, 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 direct staff to incorporate the amendments that they had, and then they will come back at a date uncertain and have a second first reading and public hearing. Uh, and I think August, maybe late August was the time frame that they had is like the earliest time that this would come back, uh, but still not known. Also, a lot of uh, deference to SB 793 to see how that is going to play out in 2022. Um, that that is a state level bill, um, which which bans the sale of flavored products in California. Um, and so uh, and this is something else that I think is, is probably going on in some other communities in, in California, uh, waiting to see what comes out with the ballot referendum um, with, with, with regard to SB 793. All of that to say, there is most likely going to be a second public hearing on this. So if you are in Windsor, California, um, by all means, we have a, a sort of a sample email set up here. You can copy and paste that into an email and send it to 
towncouncil at townofwindsor.com and make sure you leave something in the subject line referencing the uh, tobacco or vapor product ban. Um, so and that one's that. not, that's one, that one's because it's local. It's not limited to you living in the state, is it? So you could still give your opinion. Yeah, this anybody can. So this, is, this is an open email address. Uh, our, our, and I'm not doing this through our system, so you're not going to be restricted based on where you live. Um, certainly, anybody can submit a comment to this. Um, I, I, you know, we we have always recommended in the past. If you were living outside of the jurisdiction, always good to note your connection to the area. Perhaps you work there, or you have friends and family there. Um, any it- personal connection you have to the the, the municipality, mm-hmm. it's always good to mention that. Uh, and of course, uh, just as as an organization, just go ahead and our and, concern for people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is uh, Windsor, California. Uh, I had then, to laugh really quick. I had to laugh because you you said it's a good, an interesting view into how that stuff works. You know, mm-hmm. watching the thing, and my first thing came into my mind was um, that old uh, "This is your brain on drugs" thing. Yeah, the egg thing. This is your brain on drugs. And when you said that, I was thinking, this is your brain on government. Because <laughs> it was like some of the stuff these people say, it, it can only be you get into government and it just scrambles your brain. That's all I can think of. <laughs> yeah, perhaps a discussion for another time. But uh, always important to note that, especially in small towns, uh, you know, it's uh, it, the council is made up of people who have their own yeah. day jobs. These are folks that run hardware stores or they're the local law firm or, or whatever. It is a small town. Not necessarily uh, well-versed in parliamentary procedure or even the ordinances of the town that they are representing. Um, so yeah. it is always good to tell have. that they had been fed a lot of stuff from truth campaigns mm-hmm. for tobacco-free kids. That's where they're getting information, so you can't blame them for what they're doing. But it was kind of interesting to see. Sometimes it just feels like they, people get into con- they lose their common sense. It seems like, but sorry, I divide, I digress. <laughs> Moving on to our almost final bit of legislative news, um, Colorado. Uh, this is for Edgewater, Colorado. Uh, this is a a tiny municipality, I believe, sort of within the Denver metropolitan area. Um, it, it is a postage stamp. Uh, I think it has about a little over 5,000 people. Um, so uh, this is another uh, flavor ban ordinance. Um, and uh, again, it was first reading. I got a unanimous vote. Uh, this is really just kind of a formality coming back for a second reading, second discussion. Um, I imagine uh, they may have uh, their own concerns about um, what the effect that this will have on retailers and so on. Um, so all of that to say, if you are in Edgewater, Colorado, um, we have listed all of the contact information you need, even the handy dandy comedy limited email list, just copy and paste the whole thing into the two section of your email and shoot them a message. Uh, be sure to share why flavors are important, how these products have helped you. Um, and, um, hopefully, Hopefully we can at least make a little impression on some of these city councilors' minds. Um, With that, I am pretty much done with the formal rundown. I will say stick around for the deep dive. We're going to get into taxes specifically. Um, We're going to be talking about Senate Senate Bill uh, 1314 and H.R. 2786. These are in Congress. 
these are introduced by Representative Krishnamurthy and Senator Durbin, uh, and they are all about taxes, and we will come back to that at the near the end. Alex, this, these these small ones with the uh, with the wall of email addresses brings me back to the back of the early days of Casal, and that's the way we had to do all of them. You know, yeah, that's all we had. We didn't have some special program. We were hunting down what Alex was doing. I mean, you had to hunt down those emails and yeah, well, a, I've, I've, from scratch, I'll bet. Because of all that's how I started at Casal uh, was uh, you know <laughs> basically making contact sheets for Greg Conley. Um, and, uh, so I've gotten quite proficient at it. Um, it is, it can be time consuming depending on the quality of the municipal website. Um, but yeah, and this is another thing where it's, it's a very small population, so it doesn't show up in our system. Uh, and so, yeah, sometimes we have to resort to the old school, you know, uh, the, the, you know, what is it? Uh, licking stamps at home kind of advocacy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the information is there. Make it as easy as we can with talking points and contact information. But uh, yes, you do have to do a little bit of copy and paste work on your own. Yeah, we're doing this retro style because yeah. <laughs> that's how Speaking we used to of, do it. I don't know why it makes me think of that. The the old uh, like credit card crank. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. little slider thing. The little slider. It would uh, imprint it on the, the yeah. yellow and the the pink paper. Yeah. Yeah, I was like the only person that ever learned. I used to work retail years and years ago when I was like 15, 16, 17. And they taught us at one of the stores I worked at how to use one. And then at one point, the whole system crashed. Like the next year, we had a day where the system was completely down. And I was the only person that knew how to use that thing. And so I saved the day with my knowledge of credit card cranks. <laughs> Nice. You know, when the POS goes down, you had to pull out the little slider thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, man. So much for the dulls of the doldrums of summer. I mean, Oregon, Michigan, Rhode Island, Maine, California, Colorado. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, the only kind of uh, good news here is that a lot of this is sort of heads up or the bad right. news, of course, being that there's three pieces of legislation that have essentially um, been decided. So yeah. um, good news, bad news. You know, I was well, I was bad. Addie just reminded me that I should have mentioned something when, I, when you asked me how things were this week. <laughs> um, it was good, Addie. It's, Addie says, Kristen, how was the double anniversary? Um, I had my vape anniversary, which is 12 years, and my wedding anniversary on the, is the same day, which is how I always remember when my vape anniversary is. And uh, that's 14 years now. So, uh, yeah, Congrats. we had a nice, had a nice little anniversary last on night. I should have mentioned that. I can't believe. Thank God my husband never watches this because then he would have been like, what do you mean nothing happened this week? <laughs> <laughs> At least Addie's paying attention. Yeah, thanks, Addie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and congrats to you on on that's <laughs> awesome. All right, well, I guess move as Alex always says so eloquently. Moving right along, uh, I guess we can get into a little bit of take three time. All right, I have quite literally no idea who's up first today. You want me to go? 
Sure. Yeah, why don't you go? You haven't gone first in a while. I, I don't know as though I've ever gone first, which is fine. I don't yeah, mind. Yeah, you may I not really, ever, so. I really yeah. don't mind. Uh, but, uh, oh, no, this is totally the wrong thing. There we go. Sorry, <laughs> I was on the wrong thing. Anyways, we're going to talk about a petition today. Uh, this has been going around uh, for the past, what is today, the 24th, so a little over a week now. Um, Kasa, we have a page up about it right now, but we kind of as a global community are petitioning the World Health Organization uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, so for people that don't know, uh, the WHO is recommending extreme measures like high taxation, flavor bans, and outright prohibition as their preferred actions to curb the adoption of safer nicotine products. Uh, to put a finer point on it, and this is something that we, Alex and I, uh, talked about a while ago, uh, and we showed a lot of stuff from INCO uh, about this as well, um, but the WHO's influence is being disproportionately leveled at low and middle income countries, which are home to more than 80% of the world's population of people who smoke. I appreciate the language right there. Uh, so prior to COP9, uh, which is the Conference of Parties, and this is the ninth Conference of Parties, uh, in November this year. Uh, prior to that, CASA is encouraging our U.S. membership to sign the international petition below, demanding, demanding the following things from the WHO. Stop lying to us and, the, and only provide guidance based on sound scientific facts, methodologies, and principles to regulate based on sound scientific facts that include stakeholder participation, including consumers. Nothing about us without us. Uh, as part of the decision-making process, uh, not to ignore the basic human right to harm reduction uh, that is one of the WHO's founding principles to serve public health at all times, to put people's health interests first, to stop interfering with the rights of adults to make informed choices regarding their health and well-being, uh, don't discriminate against people who smoke or use safer nicotine products because they aren't doing what you want them to do. We strive to make people feel safe, respected, empowered, fairly treated and duly recognized. Back up those words who uh, follow your own mandate. We communicate openly with, with everyone and learn from one another. Whew. Yeah, follow that mandate. Don't use the COVID-19 pandemic as an excuse to disregard our rights to choose alternatives, but we are guided by the best available science, evidence, technical expertise. We continually develop ourselves and innovate to respond to a changing world. So yeah, this is a worldwide petition. Uh, I hope that everybody here today has already signed and shared this, but I wanted to uh, kind of head over to the actual petition page uh, put on by right to switch. Uh, we're close to, this is, I believe the second goal right yeah. now. The first goal was 5,000 uh, and it was crushed. Uh, and you can actually watch this right now ticking up. So I don't know if, if that's people from here right now heading over, following this and <laughs> signing this. Thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, but we are well on our way to that second goal of 7,500. Um, yeah, yeah. Share that here. Hold on. <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. That's I don't really have much of a take other than this is awesome and everyone should be signing this. It is not... Uh, it's tough for me. I'll be honest with everybody. It's tough for me to really get behind petitions, right? And I think Kasa, a lot of people in general are like, eh, petitions. But this is a really good one and everyone needs to sign. This is a worldwide effort. This isn't a, a poorly written, misguided, don't know who it's going to run-of-the-mill petition. This is a really good, well-done petition going to the right 
people, the right place. We Everybody needs to get behind this. So my take is follow the link. It's in the blog. We'll be sharing the link everywhere. Follow the link, click the button, sign the thing, share it with everyone. Share it with your friends, your family, uh, people who you know who smoke, people you know who vape, people you know who use safer nicotine alternatives, people who love people who use safer nicotine alternatives, family members, everybody you know, your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your friend, your boss, everybody. Just share it around, ask people to sign it, and and hopefully we can we can crush a few more goals along the way. That's my take. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. I don't know if I call it a take, but that's a good take still. <laughs> that's, that's my take. I'll take I don't that know. Take. Uh, does anybody does I'll anybody have that. anything to add to that about this petition? Breeze Toad says ten thousand percent. Ten thousand. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry. I, I think um, you know one of the even I think some comments about the effectiveness of petitions and one of our you know critiques of petitions in the past is that. You know, especially for sort of the armchair advocacy, you get folks that sort of it's a once and done kind of thing. Click, yeah. sign, you know, and I've done my part. Um, but there, there is a, a larger purpose to this. And especially when petitions are run as part of a campaign, um, it, 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 it has the ability to draw the attention of media, uh, which is important. Uh, and, and get the stories of the organizers out there, get the stories of the stakeholders, consumers out there. Uh, and, and really, you know, I think this is. I, it's, I, I'm really glad to hear that, that CASA members responded in force to this. Um, th those several thousand additional signatures that popped up within the past week are from you guys. Uh, and so thank you for supporting our international friends. Um, you know, we are not so much affected by the, the World Health Organization's silliness. Part of the reason for that is because we have our own silliness going on in the U.S. <laughs> that's actually a little, sometimes a little bit crazier. Um, and so... Um, so yeah, any, any little bit that we can do to help out our friends across the globe, uh, is very important. Uh, and this is organized, um, I believe CAFRA, uh, which is, uh, the Southeast Asian, uh, sort of representatives that they're sort of consumer, I think they're mostly consumer oriented group, um, and members of INCO and so on. So, um, glad to help out, glad everybody else is helping out with this and, and keep up the momentum. Yeah, I want to say uh, it was like the day, the night before uh, we started sharing this petition around, Kassah started sharing this petition around, I had signed it, and it was somewhere floating right in the realm of like 2,000 signatures. So this this latest bump of, you know, 5,000 plus signatures uh, is, is definitely attributable to you guys, to everybody out there right yeah. now watching and tuning in. Everybody who uh, shares and members. shared yeah. and shared. Yeah. So yeah. big push. Uh, thank you to everybody who has signed. Thank you to everybody who has taken the time to share that as well. Uh, and don't just share it once, share it a whole bunch of times. This is open up until cop nine happens. That's my understanding is yep. so somewhere early November ish, November 9th kind of thing, uh, is, is what we have to, to, uh, to sign this November 9th, uh, to the 13th is, uh, is cop nine. So, you have, we have plenty of time, but that doesn't mean to sleep on it or sit on it. Sign it, share it, share it, sign it. There you go. That's my take. Like they say, um, get get your family and friends to sign it too, if you can. You yeah. know, if they know how it's helped you. Yeah. Yeah. The more people, that's 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 part of the problem with petitions is that if they don't get enough attention, enough signatures, yeah, they just they don't go anywhere. They don't do anything, and and. 
like Alex said, if, or like you said, if they're not wit written well, if they're addressing the wrong person, you know, if you yeah, there can, there can be a lot of petitions to me are one of those things. Like I, I, I think petitions have a, a huge heap of potential to have a lot of public perception impact. When, when something starts gaining a lot of traction, a lot of signatures, your friends, your family, uh, people kind of outside the bubble start sharing something. Uh, that's, that's when petitions have a lot of potential to kind of attract attention, mm -hmm. like Alex said, from media or just from the public in general to say, hey, there's a lot of people that care about this thing. Um, and I think that's, I think there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of potential here to do that. And then even, even more, this is, you know, like we talked about, this is a worldwide effort. Uh, so definitely share it, share it like crazy. And who has a lot of influ influence? That's the problem with some, some petitions is they're, they're targeting the wrong people, the people who have no power to do anything and who they're, they, they do need, they influence so many different governments and stuff. Same thing with Bloomberg. We should have a Bloomberg get your nose out of our business petition, but no, don't start that. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but oh, you yeah. know, somebody's going to go start that petition right now. <laughs> and that's exactly tried. what we mean with like, there's some, there's some not great petitions out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that are yeah. Poorly written and poorly done, but this the is, President really Biden, you know, come, Please tell stop sniffing our people, governor to know? stop banning this. We can't I'm do sorry. that. You know, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's some rough ones out there, but this is a really good one, and uh, yeah. we highly highly encourage everybody uh, and their family and friends to please sign this, please share it. And I only keep doing that because I know we got a little flack for because we have not really we've said this a lot about petitions and petitions are a waste of time, but we've never said just well all petitions are a waste of time. It was just that well for the the, the White House ones were a waste of time, but it's just that we were they have to be the right thing and stuff. And that's this one actually fell yeah. under there, which is. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, right? It doesn't take very long to sign and share a petition uh, today on the internet. Uh, that's relative, it will take you under two minutes to do that. Unfortunately, that's part of the problem. So, it's one of those things where like, I don't necessarily know if it's a waste of time, but like Alex said, it's one of those things where it's kind of a one and done for a lot of people. And that's right. the extent of people's effort is like, oh, look, I did this great thing. Like I signed this petition and I shared it. And that's great. Please do that. Don't discount that. But we can, we, there's also more to do as well. And I think a lot of people like that's kind of the start and finish. And maybe that's where the effectiveness kind of drags right. uh, with them sometimes. But either way, regardless of all that, this is a really good one. Please sign it. Please share it. It's definitely time for someone else's take. Yep. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so who's next? You want to flip a coin, Kristen? I can go. All right. I forgot what I was talking about, though. <laughs> um, okay. So let's see. Do, 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 do. Okay. Do this right. Um, now, mine, I, don't, I didn't really do any um, visuals today. So you get to look at me, read stuff. Um, I guess what I could share is the article about, um, can find this here. It was basically a study that came out of New Zealand that uh, was looking at, let's see if I can pull it up here. They were looking at, it's so confused as to what screen I'm on when I do this. Um, I, can, I have it pulled up if you'd like me to share. That would be so much better. Thank you. 
Alex, um, coming in clutch. Look at that. There you go. That's the, okay. Yeah, so what they were doing is they were looking at, um, the, it was a small study. It was like 40 some odd people, 45 people, I think. And, but it was 20 weeks long. So it was a fairly significant time period. And um, they were looking to see, they got a smartphone app and they were looking to see how they did on smoking once they started vaping. And the, the interesting that they thing that they found, well, to them, we all know this, but that every, every subject's journey was different when they were doing this, um, this study. And, uh, well, like the, the lead, one of the lead researchers, Professor Connor, she, Associate Professor Connor, she said, uh, this is a quote, not any one person's journey to quit smoking is the same. Some people take up exclusive vaping relatively quickly in several weeks. Others take longer from 12 to 20 weeks or do not transition at all and continue smoking. People who wish to switch to exclusive vaping should view this variability as typical and should persevere in their efforts to switch, she said. And uh, there was a professor, Janet Hook, and um, she was talking, I had pointed this out in the tweet, that she had said that this sort of... Uh, the results of this kind of show that it was sort of an oversimplification when you're looking at people using, and again, this is New Zealand, so they're a little more on board with using this as a cessation device. Here, co companies still can't say it, and doctors still can't, you know, they're still being told not to tell people to use them. Um, but she said that uh, this kind of shows that that's too simple, the whole 12 you know, at 12 weeks, you should wean off or 12 weeks, you should be done or, you know, that certain time period. And she said, classifying behaviors, again, this is a quote from uh, Professor Hook, classifying behaviors using point prevalence categories like achieving smoke-free status after 12 weeks may be simplistic, especially during the early stages of using, she says ends, I hate that term, but vapes to quit. Uh, Support programs involving uh, vapor products may need to run for longer than the conventional 12 weeks to ensure people have access to support during what could be an extended period of movement between smoking and vaping, she says. So put, to put simply, the dual use that's often used by the anti-vaping people as a, a point of criticism um, against the efficacy of vaping as a smoking cessation product is, is kind of based on an outdated tobacco control standard, for one. Um, and their expectations of what people should be doing. It's like, oh, these people are dual using, so it's not helping them quit smoking. And that's an outdated thing of looking at gums and patches that expect they expect after 12 weeks you should be weaned off of cigarettes and or weaned off of nicotine altogether. It, but and the, the irony of that is that we know the the success rate of that is just dismal, you know. And yet they want they want. Uh, vapor products to follow that same line of thought, that same standard, even though it doesn't even work for gums and patches. I mean, I know people who use gums and patches way long beyond the 12 weeks. So, um, but what I liked about this study was that it confirms that switching to vaping from smoking is a different journey for everybody. Um, something that, you know, we've known for years and it, uh, it, it kind of contradicts the contention that dual use should be viewed negatively um, like it's the end result of vaping as opposed to the process of vaping. You know, this is a process and they see dual use. Well, that's the end result. They start vaping, it's dual use as opposed to, no, this is a process. And 
try to use that essentially as a as a evidence that it, it doesn't help people quit. You know, oh, more people dual use than actually um, stop, and um, and that's really a skewed. That whole view is so skewed because it's it's the population is going to be directly directly linked. You know, how things happen are going to be directly linked to how new a technology a technology is. You know, there's so many new vapors compared to established vapors that there's far more people going through the transition still. So that's why far more people are going to be dual users than having completely switched. And with any new technology, not even just with vaping, but any new technology, you're going to see a transition period between the old technology and the new technology. Um, one example I wrote down here was think about uh, hardline phones and cell phones. And think of the number of people who have switched to exclusive cell phone use and given up their hardline at home versus how many people right now have both a home phone, still have a home phone and a cell phone. You know, they're still transitioning. There's people who have gone all the way over. And that's just from the technology standpoint. You know, they're not trying to quit smoking and everything on top of that. You know, with the factors of with vaping, then you also have to find just the right combination um, of a number of factors to fully transition to vaping. Because it could be the device you're using. It could be the flavor. It could be the strength of the nicotine. So you've got all those different variables. And... Uh, not to mention the misinformation that's telling people these are worse for you than smoking that are just pushing people back to smoking too, you know, which kind of goes with the cell phone thing too. Cause you got the whole five G stuff going on right now where people are freaking out, you know, so. Yeah. We're not going <laughs> to talk about my third foot. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, you know, but if you look at all those factors, you kind of have a clear definite, clear reason as to why you'd have so many dual users. It's a combination of, finding the right thing and the transitioning and the misinformation. And it's just something with new technology in general, you're going to see that same thing. Um, and uh, it's interesting. She also says, uh, Professor Connor also, Connor also said, although vaping can assist some people in quitting cigarettes, people should regard their use as a transition phrase phase, transition phase and aim to quit vaping when they think their risk of relapse back to smoking is very low. And of course, again, it's all, you should also quit vaping. And to me, this is such an ironic thing to say because she just witnessed how hard it is just to stay quit while you're vaping. Um, and I don't know how do people know that their risk of relapse is low. You know, I, I honestly, I mean, I don't mind that advice as long as they would also recommend, okay, if your risk is low, try to quit vaping. Because as a, as a medical professional, I kind of have to say that. But if you think you're going to relapse, if your risk of relapse comes back, make sure you go back to vaping, not smoking. You know, add that little thing on to the end of it. Because um, this insistence on 100% safety when people do risky things all the time, like skydiving and eating junk food and drinking booze, it just seems kind of naive that everybody's just going to quit doing nicotine. Um, this is the, the is that, my, that mindset of having that abstinence is always the ultimate goal just seems, seems just as outdated because... Um, because this idea that you have to be abstinent could keep people from trying vaping in the first place. That messaging can say, you know, well, you're going to have to quit this too eventually, or we're still going to treat you just as bad. And then be like, well, I may as well just keep smoking, you know? So that that's a dangerous message to give too, especially for that 30% of people who smoke who clearly have no intention in quitting. And um, yeah, that's my take. <laughs> I have a few, I have a few, uh, I don't know, additions, things I'd like to, thoughts I'd like to throw in there really quick. 
Uh, you had mentioned like the the twelve week thing is kind of like that. You know, pick that end date by twelve weeks. People should be nicotine free and all this and that. And I think just a much better, uh, I don't know, way to go about it is something that Alex has talked about a number of times in the past. Don't quit. Don't pick a quit date. Pick a start date. Right. Uh, instead of putting that pressure and that clock on yourself to be done and, and, and you have to be, you know, quit at this time by this point, or you're a failure or something like that. Don't pick an end date, just pick a start date, start using the product and, and start working through that transition period. Another thing, when we see the number of dual users, I hate that term, but the number of dual users at any given point, you know, they say, oh, this, this is the percentage of people who use e-cigarettes, but you know, they're dual using, they're using both and they, they flout the percentage. What, what gets missed is literally that transition period. When, you, when we talk about whatever number, it's a snapshot, right? It's a snapshot of in that given moment, how many people are using, you know, poly using tobacco products or nicotine products, whatever it is, but it's a transition. As people move into that space and start transitioning, people are also moving out. It's like a room with two doors and there's a different rate mm-hmm. of people walking into it and walking out of it all at the same time. So a snapshot is kind of just, you know, that's all it is. When we look at that number, it's not, it's not really painting the whole picture behind that transition period for people. And it's always different, right? Like my transition period was six days. Uh, Kristen's transition period was different than that. Alex's transition period was like eight hours, you know? Um, So it's always different and it doesn't do people in general any justice when we paint it as just this one glimpse snapshot number of what's happening. Uh, And the last thing, like I, I wanted to make a point about, you know, you said it's, it's, there's, there's the process is different for everybody too but so is the product. And that's one of the beautiful things about uh, safer nicotine alternatives. And, you know, whether we're talking about flavors and pouches and nicotine strengths, or we're talking about e-cigarettes and devices, atomizers, you know, uh, resistances and coils, all these different products make up this, this variety of things that are out there for people. And through that transition period, a lot of people are just trying to find the thing that works. You know, they want to quit smoking, they want to start vaping, but maybe the thing they bought first uh, is, is too cloudy, it's too much. Maybe they want something that has, you know, a lower volume of, of vapor, or maybe they need something that, you know, has higher nick or whatever it may be. And that's a really good defense for having the variety of products on the market mm-hmm. that we do because it makes that transition period and that process easier for people to work through, you know, like, okay, well, I didn't really like this one thing. I'm going to try something kind of on the other end of the spectrum of these products or whatever. And that can be, that can be a really good thing. There's, everybody has a different set of needs or desires or things that satisfy them. So I think that's, you know, that's a really good defense of the variety of products that we have. I can't tell you how many different varieties of just peach flavor I tried before I could find (laughs) one that I liked. I don't think I ever found a decent one that I really, really liked either. But that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's all I wanted so to There's so much add. out there. It's such a I, variety of what you're going to be able to taste. And then somebody brought up vape tongue the other day too, because then you're dealing with that. It's like, now you want to taste something else. And yeah, you need that variety. Strengths, variety. I agree. Yeah. That vapor's tongue. I, I, I did want to oh, underscore, I, I did want to underscore the point um, that you have both made about, you know, this sort of prescriptive time limit for how long you're supposed to use this. I, I don't know. It, I, I feel like this, this has been brought up several times, but uh, it is 
I think important to note that in I think 2013, uh, the FDA revised the uh, guidance to manufacturers about the statements they could make on nicotine. Oh, and replace not me this time. <laughs> oh yeah, no, Alex got a little buffering going on products. Uh, and that that uh, effectively encouraging people to start with this transitory phase of dual use, essentially start by displacing the number of cigarettes, which was peer to peer advice long before FDA put this out in an official mm-hmm. kind of rule or guidance document. Um, and then, uh, oh, God, what was the other thing? I've completely lost my train of thought. It's still a really good point, though, is, is yeah. like that. That pressure of having that end date, like you need to be without the thing that you use every day, you know, in X many weeks. Like, yeah. and that for a lot of people, that pressure alone deters them from even trying. Yeah, why even try? You know, and so like, it, and, and and really, I you know, I think I think the 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 real point of, of the the bit that I forgotten that I, I meant to go back to was. Uh, in a way, FDA has already started encouraging people to go down this dual use path. I was dual using for three years before I found vapor products. I was using nicotine gum in places where I couldn't smoke, uh, using it in in our apartment, using it when we were out to dinner, using it on public transportation, et cetera, and so on. Uh, And so that that alone, just starting to use the product, it took so many years for me to get to the point where like, Every once in a blue moon, I preferred a piece of nicotine gum to a cigarette, but I was getting there. And, and I think that's that advice holds true for vapor products or any other smoke free alternative. Just start using the product and you may be surprised at how much you like it and how 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 much easier it is to just be patient, be kind with yourself and, and make that transition away from combustion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you saw even in the commercials during that time period, all of a sudden Nick Garrett saying, you know, oh, one step at a time, you know, don't worry about quitting. And, mm-hmm. you know, each each cigarette not smoked is a win, which is so funny because, you know, then you have the anti-vaping people are like, they're still smoking. You know, it doesn't count that they didn't smoke. You know, they only smoked 10 cigarettes instead of 25 today. It's still bad. You know, it's, it's, no, the they're about, still reducing their smoking, you know? That's the thing about that kind of messaging. You know, like I said, when, when we, we just paint that big picture of how many people are using, you know, how many people are smoking and vaping at the same time. And it's this, this percentage of people, it really devalues the, the human story behind that of people in that transition period. We're not recognizing the journey that people are going through and that everybody's lives are different. They're, you know, stress, work, all of those things, whatever that may be. We're not respecting the individual's path to the safer alternative to bettering their health and respecting the time that it takes each person to get there. We're just like, oh, look how many people are smoking and vaping. How tragic, but it's really not. It's actually a really beautiful thing. You know, yeah. we, we see a lot that it's painted as this horrible thing. When I look at that number, I go, look at how many people are, are like on Potential. their journey right now. If we would just Potential. stop giving them bad messaging, yep. it would, we could just move right along even quicker, you know. But I think and, it's a beautiful thing. So. And people who, who've watched the show a lot, they, they'll know my husband's story. But just for people who haven't seen this again, I'll just reiterate Sometimes vaping doesn't work for people. Don't be afraid to try other products. That's why Casa is all about having snooze, nicotine, you know, uh, pouches, 
uh, nicotine patches even. If that's what works for you, that's what works for you. We, Kasa actually, what Alex was talking about, Kasa actually wrote into the FDA and said, yeah, you should approve this. You should let them transition longer and stop making them have to tell people to get off of it in 12 weeks because I actually supported that. I think it was one of the few times we've actually supported something for pharma, one of the few times. But yeah, for my husband, it was a combination of snooze and vaping. So don't, like he said, don't forget, don't feel bad about trying other stuff. Don't feel like you're failing just because somebody else picked up a vape and quit the first day and you can't. There might be something missing for you. So yeah, just, just, but this was good. This was a, a pretty decent uh, study that found, you know, they're, they're getting it. They're, you know, some of them are, I mean, she kind of, I went back and looked through a lot of her other stuff. And, and for the most part, she sees it as a, as a, a good tool. She sees it as a good thing for adults and for people who smoke. And she's on board. Uh, the, um, I can't remember what her name was. Uh, the Janet uh, Hook, is it? Um, the author of the study. Well, she was she was the one who talked about it. Yeah, Hook, Janet Hook. She was the one who talked about how you know that trying to achieve smoking status after twelve weeks that whole whole thing. She's in a lot of quite a few other studies of vaping, so I wanted to see if she was sort of where she was coming from. And she's kind of you can see her progress over the over time. But she's she's on she's New Zealand. They're a little bit ahead of the U.S. You know, they're kind of. Not quite UK standards yet, but More they're forward, a lot better than Australia and the US as far as accepting it as being a harm reduction product. So, yeah, um, yeah so it, it's a good study. It's a good study. And that's my take. Right uh -huh. on. Alex. Yeah, so um, moving right along, and, and of course, um, we've got uh, a couple of notes to, to I think, address in, in this next part. Um, first, that we, we brought up in terms of the misinformation and misunderstanding and, and a lot of the things that are being promoted um, about vaping that are just absolutely wrong and, um, and potentially harmful. So for my take this week, uh, I'm going to bring up Clive Bates's, uh, uh, I guess this is a, an updated version of something that he had previously written. This is available on Kios um, and uh, it's sort of an open place to, to post and sort of publish um, scientific articles. Um, and uh, this week he, he posted the update and it is, I, I know it, it may feel like we're beating a dead horse here, but this is still an ongoing issue and part of the misinformation package that lawmakers are being handed. The outbreak of lung injuries, often known as E-Valley, was nothing to do with nicotine vaping version two. Um, and so this is a bit of a rehash of, of what everybody, uh, at least paying attention to CASA, should already know. Um, but uh, I, I think he, he breaks down the argument against the claim that this is a nicotine vaping issue uh, pretty succinctly and uh, with with 10 very, very simple points here that I think anybody with just any kind of basic understanding of, of epidemiology uh, can 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 grasp and understand here. So um, why nicotine vaping is not implicated in E-Valley? And I'm going to try to start using T-Valley instead. So if you're following along, don't be confused when I suddenly change the acronym. Um, the lung disease outbreak... The lung disease outbreak, well, associated 
Is that what the, the T-Volley stands for? What is yeah, that? it would be THC Vaping Associated Lung Injuries. Uh, and I know that some people have some concerns about this sort of painting THC cartridges or THC vaping products with a broad brush. Uh, but I think Jonathan Folds has actually broken this down in terms of communicating the message for which products people should be aware of. Um, it, this is this is a THC vaping product issue, as in the THC cartridges. Um, I know that vaping is also heat, not burn, when we're talking about cannabis. So uh, I, again, yes, there's a little bit of confusion over the name change, uh, which has not been made official anywhere, but it is a much more clear direction to consumers about the products they should be concerned about, uh, which is the illicit THC cartridges uh, that were cut with vitamin E acetate. And so uh, just the, the points really quickly, the lung disease outbreak was limited in time from mid 2019 to early 2020. In fact, CDC stopped collecting uh, the hospital data mid February of last year uh, because it was just not, it wasn't coming in. Uh, the contaminating agent has been identified. This is vitamin E acetate. Again, this was used to cut the product, diluting the, essentially extending the psychoactive product, which is THC. Uh, and so manufacturers and, and informal retailers can make more money. It improves their profit margins. Um, Vitamin E acetate was added to illicit THC vapes as a thickener or cutting agent, as we just discussed. Uh, this was actually something that was sold on the open market. There was a product known as Honeycut. Uh, and uh, for about a month or so after this came out, you could still find that product for sale on the Internet. Uh, and once this whole issue blew up, the website came down. The people who were selling it sort of disappeared. Uh, I don't know whether I, I have not followed up to see whether or not they uh, had, had been found or are suffering any consequences. Um, Leafly uh, has some excellent reporting on this. Um, if you really want to do a deep dive on, on the, the lung injury cases from 2019, uh, definitely check out all of the ink that has been published in Leafly. Um, uh, it was, is it Bruce Barcott? Uh, and yeah, I was going to, I was, I was just going to mention Leafly uh, yeah, because during I, that they were the, they were really like boots on the ground, putting out the best information uh, as it went along. I remember when that site dropped, like the day Honeycut was like, like that whole site just went dark. Yeah. And, and Leafly had reported on it like within hours of it happening. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. Yeah. Shout out to so, Leafly through all that. All of that to say it was vitamin E acetate was very clearly identified. Um the other point here is that vitamin E acetate cannot be added to nicotine e-liquids. Um, not only does it not mix well because it's essentially oil and water, there's absolutely no motivation for an e-liquid manufacturer to add vitamin E acetate. It is a thickening agent, and we don't really need nicotine e-liquid to be thicker. Uh, you, you already have to kind of upgrade to a, a, a more specialized um, uh, atomizer if you want to use like max VG. Uh, and so th there is no motivation. There's no cost savings. It does not improve the product. And obviously it is injuring and killing people. So there's no reason for anyone to add this to a nicotine vapor product. And in fact, no one did. Um, next, uh, the CDC data show that E-Valley, T-Valley cases had largely cleared up by early 2020, as we discussed. Uh, Clive, of course, references the chart that's got that 
the big uh, curve there. Um, and uh, let's see, he, he went on to talk about um, how uh, this was essentially talked about as a THC issue. Um, the, the people who were manufacturing and selling these products illicitly, some of them were caught. I think there were uh, tens of thousands of, of cartridges just waiting to go on the market that were confiscated. I don't know if that was Wisconsin, um, but uh, there were people who were caught with these cartridges. Um, uh, and uh, I, I think, you know, the industry, of course, had had its own ability to say, yes, this is illicit products that are made. This is a consequence of bad regulation. Prohibition is not regulation. Uh, and so, um, yeah. Uh, next point is no equivalent, equivalent remedial action has been taken with nicotine vapes. It is not possible to identify any changes to e-liquid ingredients, devices, or manufacturing process of nicotine vapor products that would have ended their hypothetical role in causing T-Valley. Um, so another point here, I think I'll just keep going along to recap. For nicotine vaping to be impl implicated in T-Valley, there would need to be a cause other than vitamin E acetate, yet none has so far been identified. Uh, there was a lot of panic about flavors and not really understanding, you know, the different flavoring chemicals that and how they might react with with our lungs and so on. Um, but again, this was uh, this was an opportunity for anti vaping activists who said, "Yeah, look at all the flavors and all the all that we don't know. It, it totally could be this." you should ban the flavors. And so that's where we saw Massachusetts, uh, Michigan. Um, well, Michigan, I think was the first that sort of came out and had uh, this this sort of uh, by executive order or through public health rule, uh, and then uh, several other states following suit. Some of this ended up being in statute. Uh, some of it ended up as permanent rule like Rhode Island. Uh, and, uh, and New York, of course, came back and banned flavors after this whole thing had, had abated uh, in April of 2020. Um, so uh, the next, uh, let's see, I see, I'm losing my place here. I apologize. Uh, the other sort of point that I, I, I brought up to myself when reading this was <clears throat> there were no recalls on the nicotine e-liquid side. Um, it's really important for people to understand that uh, despite, in spite of all of the droning on, we hear about how this isn't regulated and that and blah, blah, blah. Uh, this, we, we have been, you know, up until September of last year in this process of manufacturers coming into compliance with the new rule. And part of that, even before FDA, the FDA rule started taking effect, we have many manufacturers who were implementing their own good manufacturing practices. This is something they need to do for, you know, protection from liability. And, uh, you know, if something does happen in the manufacturing process, you need the ability to recall your products. And there was uh, someone, I, I'm not, not singling out uh, companies or names, but someone I, I had seen on social media actually talk about being in the midst of an FDA inspection and being asked about their ability to recall products. Not only do they have that ability, they have used it in the past for something as simple as a labeling error. And they were able to bring back an entire palette of product and correct the issue before it ever made it out into uh, a, a retailer. So e-liquid companies absolutely had all of the, the protocols in place 
to recall products, put out alerts if they needed to, but no one substance other than vitamin E acetate had been linked to these lung injuries. And certainly none of that was in nicotine e-liquids. Um, going on here, uh, there is some uncertainty about attributing all e-valley cases definitively to contaminated THC vapes, but that does not, does not justify extending the uncertainty to nicotine vaping for reasons described in points one through seven above. Um, there are, moving down to point nine here, um, well, it, it, to, to stick with this for just a moment, uh, the quote here, uh, which uh, managed to slip on the air on CB CNBC, uh, it may turn out that there are only two kinds of people who get this disease, those who vape oh. THC and those who won't admit it. I um, remember that. <laughs> yeah. Again, we have a problem where cannabis in the United States is not regulated uniformly across the nation uh, and prohibition is not regulation. And so that is a pretty good motivator for people to not be forthcoming about their substance use because they are justifiably afraid of facing legal consequences. Um, so no doubt, no, 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 no question that for the 16 percent of people who did not admit to using THC products, they likely had good reason to not admit to that. Um, yeah. Next, like jail. Yeah, jail, fines, losing your job, loss of kids, yeah. all kinds of things. Um, yeah. So uh, number nine here, several theories have been advanced for how nicotine vapes could cause acute lung injury. Uh, Clive goes on to rep reference uh, several studies here, uh, exposures to lip lipids in e-liquids, but that is in itself disputed. Um, there is uh, interaction possibly between propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin and the surfactant on our lungs. Um, certainly a, a, something that needs more research. And, and if you want to be concerned about that, there's a concern, uh, but nothing that rises to the level of 2000 plus lung injuries that and land people in the hospital and killed 68 people, I believe. Um, uh, another thing, uh, suggesting nickel alloys as a possible cause, but again, these are these are concerns or risks that should have shown up earlier, right? We're talking about 2019, 20, or is that, am I doing my math right? No, 10 years, 10 years after vaping started kind of picking up in popularity in 2009, it was sort of the first wave, I would assume. That was when people started DIYing flavors. You had a lot of hobbyist vapors moving into now, they've scaled up their operation. They're actually producing a, a, a commercial product. Um, by 2011, this is becoming more formalized and so on. So with all of the people vaping, just in the United States, we should have seen something like this before, but none of these concerns actually bring nicotine vaping into uh, to this conversation about the lung injuries. Um, so uh, moving on to the last one here, there may have been isolated cases outside of the United States. Uh, I did hear, I think there was about a dozen or more cases reported in Canada, which makes a lot of sense because we share a land crossing with them. Wisconsin, uh, hello. Uh, yeah, We're and, right um, up here by Canada. <laughs> and, and New York and, and all of the other states. Um, also, I think there was a report of something, I wonder if it was Israel or Spain. I don't know why I'm getting those confused. But there was one or two reports in Europe. Um, again, not thousands of people. Uh, does not does not definitively connect this to nicotine products, 
Uh, and uh, as Clive mentions here, people can order all kinds of things off of the internet. Uh, and of course, people travel. So uh, there are plenty of other reasons for, or plenty of other explanations as to how tainted THC cartridges ended up in foreign countries, um, but it is certainly not linking them back to nicotine products. Um, so the say, do you know how many drugs get here from foreign countries? Yeah. yeah. So uh, the the implication section is important, and and this is really kind of what I'm I'm honing in on. All of the rest of that is sort of background. Um, but the reason why we're still talking about this and, and Clive's statement right up front here is commenters should stop claiming that nicotine vaping is implicated in the lung injury cases um, because they're not. Uh, but unfortunately, this has been a very convincing talking point for anti-vaping, anti-tobacco harm reduction activists around the country. And it is ending up in statute. It is ending up in the preambles of all kinds of legislation. I was looking at something just yesterday. When you read the preamble, it's a lot of whereas this and whereas that, and whereas 2,000 people were sickened by some mystery vaping illness in 2019, they go on to ask that you ban flavors. Right. Um, they are not linked and banning flavored e-liquid isn't going to solve the problem of your underground THC market. Um, and you know, probably one of the, the most useless statutes that we've seen you know, in, as a result of this is uh, banning the use of vitamin E acetate in nicotine e-liquids. Again, I could scroll back up here. I'm not going to do it, what we are scrolling, but it's not used in nicotine e-liquids. There's no reason to put it in there and nobody is doing it. So uh, that is a pretty useless law. Um, and, and, and my take on those laws is that they are only in service of promoting the narrative that nicotine vapor products cause this lung damage, um, which, as we know, as we have known since September, early October of 2019, they don't. Um, and of course, of course, Clive gets into what I sort of opened up with here. E-Valley should be renamed to reflect the real risks. Uh, I don't believe he... Uh, suggests a specific name here. I have sort of landed on T-Valley. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, Jonathan Folds, uh, I, I believe, posted an article that he wrote about this sort of discussing why it should be called THC Valley or T-Valley. Um, and it, it really is about effectively communicating the risks to people who might be buying these products. Um, and uh, risk communicators should address the residual false risk perceptions. Uh, this was a, a little chart up here. I'm going to try to get it without making everybody dizzy. This is sort of documenting changes in perception of risk uh, in the wake of the T-Valley episode. Uh, and I think this is from the UK. So again, we've brought this up before, you know, the United States is, is, is uh, guilty of exporting our bad policy. And we're also guilty of exporting our bad propaganda uh, and, and media. So the events here in the United States did have an impact on, in particular, the UK, where these products are promoted as safer than smoking and a good way to quit smoking. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Anybody talking about this on the TVs or with your friends or to lawmakers um, should make it clear that this is a cannabis problem and, and is something that could be better addressed with effective cannabis regulation. 
not prohibition. Uh, and of course, that is the final point here, that this e-valley strengthens the case for legalization and regulation of cannabis products. So um, to sum up, my take on this is, yeah, everything everything here uh, I totally agree with and, uh, and, and think that, uh, you know, this is not an issue that, that we're being allowed to move forward from. It's being brought up constantly in city council hearings. It is uh, part of uh, all of the propaganda from Campaign for Tobacco for Kids, Truth Initiative, American Cancer, Heart and Lung. Um, they have no qualms about via innuendo or otherwise suggesting that nicotine products are responsible for this type of lung injury uh, when in fact they are not. So with that, <laughs> I think, you know, along the lines of uh, strengthening the case for legalization and regulation of cannabis products, uh, the events of Ivali are really, or Tivali, I suppose, uh, it's all really the broader picture of the issues with illicit markets uh, surrounding drugs in general. We're right now still well within an overdose epidemic uh, dealing with fentanyl and um, other um fentanyl analogs and things in the illicit drug supply. Uh, it's a cry for safe supply in general, whether we're talking about cannabis or other drugs. Uh, and that you had mentioned uh, the nickel wire. And I remember us, the study that kind of went along with that, that was trying to uh, implicate nickel or nichrome 80 specifically uh, in the, the lung injuries. And it's another, it's another one of those like, <clears throat> Nichrome 80 has been used as a, a heating element, a wire in atomizers and vapor products for so many years, and not only here, but worldwide. Um, to see the cases here alone, you know, not only are we talking about, oh, you know, it didn't happen anywhere else, it only happened here. When we start hearing things like, well, maybe it's the wire, maybe it's the heating element, you got to go, well, how long has that heating element been used, not only here, but worldwide? And when you look at where the cases are isolated to and when the cases are isolated to, that right there is kind of that it just kind of debunks that idea just in general that like we can implicate we would we, we would have seen it sooner or broader or longer. And we'd still be seeing it if that was the case, because that wire is still being used today. I'm vaping on it right now. So. Uh, when you brought up nickel, it just reminded me of that that study that really like tried to implicate it and and was shared all over Twitter. It was shared through media. It went everywhere. Damage has been done by it, uh, but it's just it's just false. Um, sure, I I'll agree. I'll concede that there is concerns about uh, metals and and things like this. Um, regardless of that. Vaping is still vastly safer than smoking, and your nickel wire didn't cause the 2019 lung injuries. It, it just, yeah, like there's nothing to back that up, and it's just not, it's, I don't want to say it's it's not possible because science is, you know, science. There's a reason we go through the things we go through with science, but it's highly, highly, highly times like a thousand unlikely that it was nickel wire that had anything to do with the lung injuries in 2019. Yeah. It's just it's just kind of a, a ridiculous so thing because the everything hinges today because after all of the studies came back and everything after the CDC and all that, every they're hinging everything on. Well, some people only use nicotine products. 
I mean, they, right. But they're still, they're still clinging to that. You know, they won't let that go. And that is their sole justification for rolling in vapor products, which is so ironic because then they don't do anything with usually with the THC products and only do things with vapor products and don't do anything with, well, like, like Alex said, occasionally they'll say, well, we're banning vitamin E acetate from from nicotine e-cigarettes, which is stupid. But all they're doing is banning flavors. And there's nothing in any of the literature anywhere that had flavor that said flavors had anything to do with it. But in their minds, it's well, we're protecting the kids because flavors make them vape, and vaping gives them this, you know. So it's not that the, they think the flavors cause it or whatnot. It's just that. Flavors make kids vape. It's a, it's a, it's a poor gateway theory kind of thing yeah. going on. And, yeah. But it's just so frustrating because you'll see really some good articles. You'll see some a good article. Okay, good. They're going along with the whole tobacco harm reduction thing. And, and then at the end, they'll just drop in there. Well, there were some lung injuries back in blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you were doing so good. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then they'll just throw it. It's like, no, you know. Um, and the only other thing that I have to say on this is. And that was really interesting. That was a good take. And we haven't talked about Tivali in a long time. So that was kind of cool to bring that back up again because it is still out there. You know, we're all kind of like moving on. It's not nicotine vapes, but they're still pushing it. So it's, it's good to bring this up occasionally and give people the the information so they know how to fight this when this comes up because you're going to see it. And that like we saw with um, Edge, Edge, what is the Colorado town? Edgewater, Edge, Edgewater, Edgewater. You know, Edgewater and um, Winston or whatever it is. The Windsor. Windsor, thank you. Winston. <laughs> um, they, <laughs> I'm so sorry. They start with these small little towns, and then they get the bigger towns, and they get the counties, and then they get the state. So that's where they start. So that's why these are important. But anyhow, um, so it's good to do that. But the so the only other thing that I really want to say in this is that whenever we post anything that has to, anything to do with T-Valley, there's people who come up and say, it's COVID. It was COVID. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you right now, we are never going to say it was COVID. It was not COVID. It was clearly not. COVID is clearly contagious and Evali was not contagious. If it was COVID, then all these vapors who got sick, you would have seen their family members and their coworkers getting sick like you do with COVID. That's I the one thing that, you know, you cannot... It was not COVID. I'm sorry. It was. I'll, I'll, <laughs> it was add, I'll, I'll add a, a layer of, I don't know if it's complexity or nuance or both to, to what you just said there. I think one of the points that I had seen was um, not necessarily right. talking about COVID, but the fact that there may be some other uh, issue out there that is not being right. investigated properly. And, and I, well, that's for me, point, yeah. one, one of the things that, that is, is very concerning about that very logical suspicion is that just like what we had seen, I think there was that that uh, teenager uh, who uh, passed out in the bathroom and went to the hospital. The doctor right. said, oh, well, it's the vaping. Go home. He'll be fine. Just don't that vape something anymore. Thing. And so yeah. it's it's that kind of um, the, 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 uh, the tendency to jump to the easiest explanation that is leading to a bad diagnosis for people. Um, I think right. there's a real risk there. Uh, and, and especially with all of the hype around these, these alleged harms of, of safer nicotine products, 
Um, I, my big concern is talking to a doctor and personally, my concern is talking to a doctor and getting a wrong diagnosis because they think they can blame it on nicotine or vaping or what have you. Former um, smoking, so, whatever. Yeah, I, I know that there is that talk of like, well, maybe it was COVID. But I, I, again, underneath all of that, I think there's a much larger. Yeah, and, and I wasn't going to get into all that because that's all because there is I, absolutely. And I would love to talk about that one day about how there is this other stuff that has yeah. been going on. In like in, you know 2019, there was some mysterious lung thing that they couldn't figure out what it was that was going on way before COVID, um, and 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 it is it's bad because they did have that problem with COVID where some a few people had Tivali, and they thought it was COVID and vice versa. You know they mm-hmm. had COVID and they thought oh do you vape? You know they dismissed the COVID, so that's absolutely a risk. But but they're two separate things is all I'm trying to say. I've seen people right. saying it's not vaping at all. Why are, why is Casa saying, you know, there's any kind of vaping involved. It was COVID. It's no, it's not. We're never going to say that. Um, but in the, on the opposite end of that, if, if you do a flip of that, it's happened to a lot of people who don't smoke, um, who they've missed their lung cancer diagnosis. The doctors have list, missed their lung cancer diagnosis because they weren't smokers. And, mm-hmm. Because that's a smoking disease, you know, and more and more people are actually getting lung cancer that don't smoke um, from other sources. And they're living with the stigma that people don't research how to cure it, you know, because it's a stigma. You chose to have this. Oh, you know, you have lung cancer. You must you must have been a closet smoker or something, you know. But again, they can miss stuff same way. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll come back to that for another deep dive. Yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah. Speaking of deep dive, what a beautiful segue into <laughs> this week. This week's deep dive. That was smooth. All right. You like that? That was yeah. right on the fly. Good job. I've done this a little while. It's not my first rodeo. <laughs> so I, I am really going to try to keep this to 30 minutes. I have a hungry canine here who is going to start barking at me if I don't feed him soon. Um, and I don't think he was all that interested in that very big treat I gave him earlier. So, Well, our deep dive this week is riveting and super exciting and probably just the most fun thing that we can possibly talk about here at CASA. So let's get into it. Let's Alex. watch that viewer we... count start going down now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, go up. Go up. Well, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't like to talk about taxes. <laughs> oh, taxes are my favorite thing. <laughs> so this is, uh, as we were talking before, and I know, I know uh, Kristen has, has dug up some really interesting uh, points to, to bring in here. Um, but uh, this was, this is, this is sort of po- maybe falls under the category of like a, a to be continued at a later date. Uh, but right now, this is sort of a longer heads up, if you will. Um, and so uh, just for a little bit of background here, uh, recent some very recent history. Um, this April, two bills were introduced in Congress uh, at, in, in the U.S. Capitol. Um, they are called the Tobacco Tax Equity Act. Uh, in the Senate, it is 1314, and in the House, it is H.R. 2786. These are introduced by Representative Krishnamurthy and Senator Durbin, uh, both from the uh, great vapor-hating state of Illinois. Um, Ooh, Illinois. So uh, what they, they, they are 
what they sound like. They seek to uh, equalize taxation across all tobacco products. Uh, and I think one description I had read of this was essentially enacting a, a, a very high tax on vapor products and then raising everything else up to that. You can look at it a different way, adding this tax to cigarettes and then raising everything else up to that. Uh, the other thing that th these bills seek to do is tie this tax increase to inflation so that it keeps going up proportionate to inflation and they don't really have to come back and, and adjust it, um, which that, that'll never happen, um, it, that they wouldn't come back and raise it again. Um, but uh, so uh, we will provide links to these bills if you would like to read the text for yourself. I recommend uh, if you want to kind of make sense of federal legislation, you kind of have to follow along when you're reading it, take the parts that are being added, and then in a separate document, paste them into the the section that's being, it's, it's tedious and, and really kind of annoying uh, for like just a few phrases. Uh, but to get the full picture, what you want to do is take the text and read it in line with the existing statute. Technical details aside, here's what it does. Um, if these tax bills were passed uh, or just one of them, uh, it would be a 100% tax hike on cigarettes, which I think the federal tax rate is like a dollar and one cent per pack. Um, it would implement a $2.02 tax on each vapor pod. Um, I don't know that there is a breakdown, uh, like a per milliliter uh, breakdown here. And I don't think I saw like a, an attempt at a pack equivalency, um, but this is basically it. They're basically referring to one vapor pod as a pack of cigarettes. It would be the same tax. Uh, this will also be a 1,687% tax hike on smokeless tobacco, which is oh, insane. My heart. Insane. For people uh, that we've talked about <laughs> the way that we, we use tax or, or percentage increase uh, as, as kind of this big, scary number a lot of the times. So this actually legitimately is a huge tax increase, but that 100% uh, for anybody not familiar with how percentage increase works, that, that means doubling. Uh, this is something like uh, we've talked about in the past where people are like, oh, you know, something, it's an increase of 10% or whatever. 100% is the same thing as doubling. But a 1,000, what was that? 1,000, 1,687%. I'm going to do that math, but that's a lot. That's a, that's a big, that's a yeah. big <laughs> increase. Just, just, to, just to give you um, maybe some numbers to reference, Again, so I got the angry dog who wants food. Um, <laughs> Cats, I'm dogs, sorry. everything. I'm sorry, buddy. Um, I've had fireworks and church bells outside. I don't know if anybody has heard those yet. So, um, just to give people some some numbers uh, to reference, this is these uh, in in the bills will will show you just how much of an increase on a dollar basis this is, um, and uh, I think. <laughs> The uh, 50, 50.33 cents, um, a lot of this is broken down into like uh, per ounce or per tin um, or per stick or, or, or per, per 100 units, whatever it is. Uh, I apologize. I don't have the original uh, code up here. Uh, this might take me to it. Um, so right now on uh, smokeless tobacco, uh, on snuff, which is dip or you know, it's, it's dip. Um, uh, it is $1 and 51 cents per pound 
uh, and a proportionate tax rate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, chewing tobacco is 50 cents, 50.33 cents per pound. Uh, and then you can see here just how much they're proposing to hike this up. Um, just, I mean, that's astronomical. You're going from $1.51 per ounce to, uh, no, not per ounce, per pound to $26.84. It is a substantial increase. Uh, a tin of smokeless tobacco here in New York costs $6, I think. Um, and, uh, and of course, as we have said earlier in the broadcast, smokeless tobacco is one of the things that we promote as a safer alternative to smoking. If you'd like to know if, more, more information about that, we have it on our website, or you can go check out Dr. Brad Radu. What a beautiful um, plug. So um, the, uh, the, 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 the reason we're bringing this up right now is because we have a very expensive infrastructure bill going through Congress right now, I think three and a half trillion dollars. And what is happening is uh, the, there was an article, uh, I think, on Fox Business that I had linked to here. Um, Nancy Pelosi has linked uh, passage of the infrastructure package with passage of a reconciliation bill, which is all about paying for the infrastructure bill. And three and a half trillion dollars is a lot of money. So obviously lawmakers are going to be looking for any kind of the blood from a stone kind of sources of revenue. And tobacco is a great place for people to start because people love beating up on people who use tobacco. Um, so when this was introduced in April, absent any other massive spending bill, uh, it's not all that alarming because this is something that has come up regularly. I think over the past three or four, maybe even five years, there has been talk at the federal level about equalizing tax rates across all tobacco and nicotine products. Mm -hmm. States have tried to do this in the past. They've always found this stumbling block of uh, what is this pack equivalency, um, but uh, Krishnamurthy and Durbin have sort of circumvented that whole discussion and just said, yeah, it's pod vaping. So we'll charge, it's like a pack of cigarettes, we'll do that. Um, and, and again, the, the potential, potential urgency here is we got to come up with three and a half trillion dollars, maybe a little bit less, who knows. Um, but we are kind of maybe sort of on the table. I don't have any intel as to what the overall sentiment is towards this particular tax proposal. Um, it is just given the numbers, it, it is an outrageous tax increase. Personally, uh, with the, so the, the limited experience that I've had with these, I don't see this going very far, um, but we may end up with some sort of increase in federal taxes on all tobacco and nicotine products uh, and, and, and some of that in service of, of paying for whatever infrastructure spending we're looking at. Um, and uh, all that to say, uh, this may become an issue the closer we get to September when budget and spending negotiations tend to uh, pick up a little bit towards the end of the year. So with that, I know, Kristen, you dug up some really interesting information about taxation in general, and this is not just all about these federal bills, as it is a deep dive on taxation. So yeah, no, it's not. I actually I wanted to find I forget who posted it, but somebody posted earlier that I'm trying to find it now. Um, uh, I can't remember who it was who I thought it might have been Matthew Welch. Um, but somebody had posted, yeah, that they, they favor um, supporting taxes and as long as they were uh, taxed based on what their income was. Um, 
I, I saw I that. I, yeah, I, it, and I, I would kind of wait to, I wish you could like tag a comment so you can find it later because- um, If you've liked I, it, you could go to your likes and no, also I, I a great thing to use on Twitter is bookmarks. I, I actually, if- if I'm on Twitter, just, I'm on- if, 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 if I can, if I can just jump in, I I, oh, okay. I, was form, I read that while that was going by, too, and, and and could and formulated a bit of a response. Okay. Um, and and this was a, a discussion you know we've had internally and and out in the open about Kassad's position on taxation. Um, we Kassad does not support extra taxes on low risk nicotine and tobacco products. Keyword uh, extra. And, Keyword and, extra. <laughs> extra taxes <laughs> extra taxes right so um you know in in the past our, our position has been on sort of tax reform bills if it is effectively lowering the tax on these products we're supportive of that um and generally speaking i think we're 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 um somewhat promoting the idea that taxation should be proportionate to risk we're never going to support adding or, or or putting a new tax on low risk products but generally the advice to lawmakers should be it should be proportionate to risk and therefore smoke-free products should be taxed at a noticeably extremely lower rate than than cigarettes or other combusted products um so yeah and i i do understand i think there's some arguments to be made out there about how you know if written properly taxation goes towards uh you know state level regulations uh if those regulations are worth the paper that they're written on Sure. Okay, I can see how someone would support that, but generally speaking, um, it's it's you know it's not it's not going towards that. It's not going towards uh, education that we would we would consider to be education about uh, tobacco or substance use and and actually empowering young people to make better better decisions. Uh, it's a lot of anti substance use, anti anti drug user, anti smoker campaign materials. Um, so certainly there are situations where taxes can be used properly, but generally speaking, when applied to safer nicotine products, there, there really isn't much benefit there. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and this, and, and the key point is, is that we're not talking, you know, I, I know the way the title kind of came off is like, should they be taxed? It's like, well, yes, like any other consumer product that's we're not getting into debating about libertarianism or anything like that about whether products should be taxed or should be income or what it should be. It shouldn't be taxed any differently than any other consumer product is, especially if it's reducing harm. Um, the whole point of these taxes is to supposedly reduce smoking to reduce harm. It's, it's meant, you know, they'll say it's not punitive. It's, it's, it's there to, to encourage people to smoke because every time they raise the, I forget what the rate is. When every time they raise it by, I always forget this too. 10, it's, it's for every ten percent, it's like a one percent decline. One percent will quit or something or attempt to quit. I mean, it's so they 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 mess with the, how they phrase that a lot. But um, and it, it's considered one of their their go-to proven things that every time you raise taxes, people will quit smoking, um, especially teens, they say, because teens are so are much more um, sensitive to price increases, which I feel like is an outdated, I'd really like them to get delve into that because teens have more disposable income these days than I do. So I don't understand where they get that from. I mean, I wonder if that's an out, maybe in the past it was that way, but I swear to God, kids these days, 
they have to have this disposable income if they're buying $150 mods and spending all this money on these pods and, you know, devices. So they've got the money. You know what I mean? And, I, and, and to put a finer point on it, it's some teenagers more than other teenagers. Not all teenagers are, are that price sensitive. There are some teenagers right. who get this weird, large allowance uh, and other teenagers who, who don't have access to those resources. Well, it's so, not a problem till it hits white suburban homes. Exactly. Anyway. Um, but I have, a, I have a, a, a few little things here. Uh, yeah, there is, you know, evidence um, showing that taxes do as we increase taxes, the percentages drop. But I, the, the vast majority of that comes from cigarette sales numbers, right? Like legitimate <laughs> legal regulated market numbers. When Alex and I both live in New York, New York is a great example of a state where over 50% of the cigarettes smoked in this great state are smuggled, illicit, and otherwise. Um, so my question has always been, like, is that number as we go up and the number of people buying legal cigarettes going, is that the number of people quitting smoking or is that the number of people switching markets? Uh, I'm sure there's a mix of both in that answer there somewhere. So it's not necessarily like a direct number if we just go buy legal market sales that doesn't really paint the full picture. It just paints a part of it, or we don't know how much of it. Um, and, and then and, the, and just just like the reporting issues with the THC cartridges, I mean, who's going to cop to buying their, their cartons of cigarettes out of the trunk of a car? So right, exactly, exactly. And um, I had another point to make, but I'm sorry, I, I interrupted. Um, no, yeah, it's I derailed. <laughs> and the, there's also really that. Well, while you're thinking me. on that, I can go to my little thing that I have. But there, I was going to yeah. just add to that. There's also the question as to, okay, so they quit smoking, but did they go to something that's cheaper like pot? Oh, oh, I got <laughs> you know, it. Maybe they it. go to something that's maybe not, you know, maybe they're now doing math, you know, or drinking, binge drinking or. <laughs> Those are that's yeah. a weird those are weird what? drugs to switch that's between. A, I mean, weird. Well, I'm just saying I mean, that depending they're not, on the week, you know, well, maybe we we'll go from one to the next. Teens, remember, we're trying to save teens, you know. But so Alex, hey, uh, I got extra cash uh, to buy to buy something else. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. let's go buy some more booze, you know, because I'm not going to buy a cigarette. Freestone's in chat. He's in Australia. And that's the point that I was going to make, Adam, is uh, taxes like this may, you know, for a while kind of do what they're supposed to do, uh, discourage people from initiating use or encourage people to stop using whatever it is. We're trying to change people's behaviors through taxation, but you get to a certain point where those taxes become regressive. They become punitive because you get to those that last, you know, like here in, in the US where like 14% or something like that of the adult population still smokes. Um, I don't know what the percentage is in Australia, Adam. I'm sorry. I wish I did off the top of my head. But you get to the hardcore, quote unquote, hardcore smokers. You know, you get to the Better people it. where you, you get to that that group of people that price they're not as price sensitive, you know, $20 a pack of cigarettes, I'm still going to smoke three of them a day. And at that point, you're just harming people. We so know the vast majority of people like who said. smoke are low income people to begin with. These taxes at a certain point, just go from, you know, encouraging that behavioral change to just punishing poor people for the sake of punishing poor people. And it's just really 
it's just regressive. Like it, we're not doing anything to help anyone. Like Alex says, you know, talking about if these taxes were actually going to promoting safer alternatives, empowering people uh, to make better choices, things like that, actually doing some good, which more often than not, they, they don't. Uh, and I know that it's a separate thing, but you can look at settlement money and where that goes and how much of that money actually gets spent on uh, programs and things like that. It's very low. Uh, same with taxes. It, it often just goes into a general fund or it doesn't go to uh, actually helping anybody. It doesn't go to cessation programs. It doesn't go to uh, it doesn't go to underlying things. It doesn't help mental health patients. It doesn't do any of those things that it could do to actually help people. It just goes into general, you know, general fund. funds or, or wherever it ends up. Somebody gets a bonus or whatever. Um, but it doesn't go to helping. It doesn't go to helping people. Uh, and that's that's a really big problem. And at some point that that those taxes just become punitive. They just become a, a way to, to punish low-income people who use nicotine and it's really destructive and it's it's really bad. I wish I had better numbers uh, out there. Maybe Adam has some that he can drop in chat for everybody. But Australia is a really great example of that. What's the cost of a pack of cigarettes in Australia right now, Adam? Uh, they're not cheap. For anybody wondering, they're they're absolutely not cheap. It's, it's you know the, the last last I heard it was like twenty twenty one dollars. Yeah, it's like twenty one Australian dollars, which actually puts it on the same level as like a pack of cigarettes in in New York. I don't know if New York City. I think New York City might be more expensive than a pack of smokes in in Australia. Well, I've got oh, a little no, I've got either. a little sheet here we can look that's at. Quite a bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. I still have a very hungry dog who's getting sad. Yeah, so. that's why I that wanted was, that's to my hot take though. That's my kind of contribution to this discussion about taxes is like yes, sometimes taxes can help be like a deterrent for people initiating or it may incentivize people to stop this unhealthy behavior. We shouldn't be really trying to change anybody's behavior to begin with. Like we should just be promoting real science and real information to adults so they can make their own decisions. But regardless of that, those ideas that that thinking ends up just being a regressive policy. It just ends up being punitive. It just hurts people. So this was a little spreadsheet I put together. Uh, I used the campaign for tobacco free kids ranking system for, and I don't think it's just for taxes, but they're, they ranked, um, I, I wanted to do this, wait, hold on. They essentially ranked, should we just do A to Z? How does that work? Um, the states by how much they charge in taxes. And then I also looked at what the smoking rates are. I found a, a website that shows what the smoking rates are. I don't know, I'm getting an echo. Um, so what I did here was the blue ones are the ones who have the worst tax rank. If you look right here, Alabama has the worst tax rank at, or one of the worst at 41%. So they're all in the bottom 10 uh, states for their their tax rates. And then the green ones are in the top of the 10 states for their tax policies and their taxes. And what I thought was really interesting is on, <coughs> excuse me, on the campaign for tobacco free kids site, they show it this way, you know, they do it alphabetical order, which if you're looking at all this and there's no color coding or anything, it's pretty much 
kind of a mess. You're like, oh, my, that state's at there, that state's at there. And so you can't really do money comparisons on how does this tax compare? Okay, well, this is really low. You know, look at Alabama. They're, they're um, 40th at a 20% smoking rate, 41 for just a 68 cent tax. You know, all that low tax really had a thing. You know, that really made a difference. That's, that's, they have higher smokers because of that. Um, and so that's the way you kind of think. But then when you sort it by the tax, Uh, nope, 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 sorry. I'm going to do largest to smallest. Um, you can see more now, like these, these black ones are all going to be the states that are kind of in the middle. They're, they're not, they're not the highest, they're not the lowest, you know, for certain things. Um, they didn't make any of those, but if you see it this way, now you've got, well, DC, they've got the highest tax rate of all of them. So Campaign for Tech Free Kids says they're great, but they don't have the lowest smoking rate. If you notice, 12.9 or 12.7% is their smoking rate. So they did that. So that does that crazy high tax. Is that really getting smoking down? Well, who does have the best smoking rate or the lowest smoking rate? Well, that is down here in Utah. Utah is number one for the lowest smoking rate, 7.9%. Their tax is like what, almost a fourth, one fourth of what people in DC are paying. Yet, and they're ranked 27th for what their tax is. Yet, look at how low that smoking rate is. Now, you wouldn't, because if you if you look at the the the, the campaign for tobacco free kids site, you really wouldn't see that because can't they're ranked 27 by campaign for tobacco free kids. No acknowledgement that they've got the lowest smoking rate. And when you look at stuff like that, it kind of proves to you that or kind of makes the point that maybe the taxes aren't doing as much as say the messages that's getting out there the the, the what people are teaching their kids what the parents are doing um because in utah it's certainly not the tax that's doing it and if you see here i mean and it is kind of if you look at dc connecticut new york rhode island maryland and massachusetts they are all in the top 10 for the taxes and they're pretty much in the top 10 for for their smoking ranks, too. They've got pretty low smoking ranks. But um, where, <coughs> excuse me. But then you've got Vermont, which is in the also in the top 10 here for the taxes, but they jumped down to 17th for their smoking rating. Um, Illinois, you look at this, they're not even in the top 10. Their smoking rate's 14.5. And look at what Chicago. I mean, their tax is two ninety eight. Chicago's tax, just the tax alone on a pack of cigarettes, is seven sixteen. If I read that correctly, I mean, it's crazy. And even California, which is number two for the smoking rank, doesn't have the highest tax rate. Um, so when you look at it this way, as far as a smoking ranking, smoking rates ranking, um, and that's going to be my last thing to show, is um. Just the way I want to do it? No, I want to do by percentage because that's more accurate. Um, no, come on. You'll see how this works out here. These are the top 10 in the lowest smoking 
rates. But look at the variety in these taxes here. You know, the, the variety of Utah having the lowest taxes in this whole group by far and having the lowest rate. Uh, California, again, it's got one of the lowest tax rates, but it's still in that top 10 for the smoking. Um, the one of these things that is really way out there, look at Virginia. Virginia, okay, it's twice the rate of Utah for smoking rate, but it's not much higher than Colorado. And look at the difference between Colorado. But look at Rhode Island. Rhode Island, $4.25. It's at only a point two difference there. And then you look at Virginia at yeah. 14 and 60 cents. So in another one here is Arizona and Alaska. I put these two kind of together because they are almost identical. They both charge $2. And uh, Alaska is down here, you know, so, so Alaska's, you know, you may look at if you're again, if you're on the campaign for tobacco free kids flyer site, whatever, you may think, oh, you know, Alaska's bad because they only do $2 or Arizona's bad. But here you've got $2 for Arizona. Their Alaska smoking rate is 17.4%. But Arizona, Arizona only charges $2 and they're way up here at 14.9%. So, you know, and it's just on and on where you come down. I mean, granted, and again, there is some more evidence here. If you look at these bottom 10, and it only goes to 45 because some share the same percentages. Um, they're tied. But if you look at these bottom 10, they do pretty much have the highest rates and they mostly have the lowest taxes. But some of these are up in the dollar ranges where you come up here, uh, let's see, $1.20. If somebody else have $1.20, here's Kansas, $1.29. Much lower smoking rates, uh, but similar price. Um, and but again, Virginia, I mean, and Nebraska, here's Nebraska, only 64 cents and they rank 14 compared to some that have much higher taxes down here. So it's, it is confusing when I, well, I got to get back here. All right. Um, so it, it is confusing to me that how are these taxes really doing anything or is it more so that when they're going to pass these taxes, they're putting out all this information, all this stuff trying to justify the tax because smoking is bad. Here's all the messaging about smoking and here's why we need to stop it. And it ends up being a culture and it ends up being education more than the tax itself, because if it was just the tax, we would be seeing all of these other states with these high taxes. If you've got one, two, three, four highest taxes in the country, you should have one, two, three, four, five lowest smoking rates in the country if it was comparable. Virginia, that is just the black swan. I'm sorry when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to taxes. You know, it's that black swan of how do they explain that that Virginia's taxes are so friggin' low, and yet they're they're so comparable or that or even utah their taxes aren't the highest taxes compared to dc you know it's well a, a, a note about dc the dc tax has been high but it was recently jacked up to i think one of the highest in the country so that's that is relatively new um but it, it has been historically high because it was high on the older 2018 one I saw too, because I was looking for the mm -hmm. DC one because it was so high. So both yeah. of those are both 2020 rates, by the way, that I could find. Yeah, and and so uh, in Virginia is 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 certainly weird because that is where tobacco comes from. Well, tobacco. <laughs> uh, at least in the United, tobacco, North Carolina and Virginia, tobacco state, and Kentucky, of course. 
Um, yeah, and 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 I think you know one of the rebuttals that that we could expect to hear from this is is that um, uh, you know tax policy isn't in in and of itself the the solution. It's part of the comprehensive policies that they like to promote. So taxation works with place bans uh, and uh, uh, making sure that you know like singles Lucy's can't be sold, uh, et, et cetera, et cetera. All all of the things working together. Uh, makes that comprehensive tobacco policy. Um, and, and as you noted with Utah, Utah is an outlier because of its its cultural background. Uh, it's a Mormon, it's a predominantly Mormon, Mormon state. There's a lot of emphasis on, on religion there. Uh, and of course, the values that come along with that um, has, has historically kept smoking rates low in Utah. Um, but yeah, uh, 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 across the board, uh, you know, I think that you know, the point here is that there is no real apparent correlation between rising taxes and, and lowering smoking prevalence. Um, and of course, when we apply cigarette style taxes to safer products, there's no reason to expect people are going to be like, OK, well, yeah, it's safer. I'll, I'll go to that. Um, it, it, it's important to preserve whatever cost or price advantage uh, safer products have. Yeah. And it, they can't they can't. The thing is, is that they they say, yeah, it's part of a it's part of a greater package of things that we do by adding the taxes too. well, you know, you could tell people to hop on one foot and hold their nose as part of the package, too, and make it look like it works. You know, is it really because it's part of that greater package? You can't just do that. You can't just throw it in there. You need to show that it in of itself is actually doing something. And this spreadsheet pretty much says, no, it's not really. Or you can't or it's just a correlation. It's not necessarily a causation because there's so much other stuff. I'm repeating myself, but so much other stuff that they're doing when they're trying to get these taxes passed. There's so much education. And that was one of the biggest things. If you look at way back when, when the Surgeon General came out with his report about smoking, that had the biggest impact. It was education. It was information. And that was the, to the, to this day, until vaping came, was the biggest impact you ever saw on smoking rates. And I think today, to this day, that still remains the biggest thing. But I also believe, I've always believed that when all these people quit smoking and chose not to start smoking, that didn't mean all the reasons people choose to use nicotine went away. And I do believe it got transferred somewhere else. And I totally always look at that correlation of how obesity rates just started skyrocketing in the same type people stopped hmm. smoking. It's like, I'm going to shove my face full of something instead, or, you know, or even, I don't, I know I'd love to see what, what uh, other drug use and drinking did and how those may correlate with people. Hmm. I'm not, Cause I don't think the reasons why we use nicotine went away. They right. didn't just say I'm, you know, all those people weren't just addicted for no reason. So, but I, it I wasn't just believe, marketing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I truly don't believe taxes have the impact that they say they do. And, but they do, they can deter people from buying stuff if they make them too expensive, but not necessarily cigarettes because I think vapor products Cigarettes are too ingrained, you know, and you've got that 30% who are just never going to quit. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to quit anyhow, and they will give up food. They will give up other stuff, vacations, fixing up the house stuff, you know, savings to get those cigarettes. I did it, you know, not food, but I mean, clearly, but, (laughs) but I mean, I gave up 
not having other things for the spending because the money just wasn't there. I was willing to put it towards smoking instead. So you can't, they, those people aren't going to quit. But when you have something as a delicate of a market as vaping is right now or other smoke-free alternatives that aren't ingrained and aren't accepted and there's myths out there, but that high price is going to make a much bigger impact on vapor products than it does on cigarettes, in my opinion. It's going to do more damage because why spend more? Why pay the same price as you're paying for your cigarettes? Just keep the cigarettes, especially if they're same, just as dangerous. You know, so I think those taxes, those those punitive taxes do worse, are even more harmful for harm reduction products. And I don't think they'll stop teens from buying them because teens are just grabbing mom and dad's credit card or something because I don't know how they're getting this stuff. <laughs> just to just to add a, 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 a lightly tax related comment to that um, pro tip for people who are quitting smoking and switching to a safer nicotine product. Um, take the money that you save that you, you would have been spending on cigarettes, save it up and buy yourself something nice. Reward yourself. It's one of those ways of, of, of kind of reinforcing that you are making a good decision. And I think being able to illustrate the money that you're saving, the money that you should be saving by switching to safer alternatives um, and, and spending that on something nice and rewarding yourself is, is it's one of those like kind of useless CDC tips. But I think in this context and in, in, in talking about it, um, you know, in terms of the damage that tax policy can do, um, it, it, it's good to remind people that, that preserving that cost savings and advantage that vapor products can have is, is really important. It made a difference in my life. Absolutely. And I think I froze. Oh, no, you you're good. for a second, but it was for a second. Yeah, it made a difference in my life. It completely made a difference as far as how much extra money we had and things that we could do. And that was the number two reason why I wanted them. The circumventing the smoking indoor smoking ban in Wisconsin and cheaper because they were I knew they were gonna keep getting more expensive, you know. Yeah. I think I'm back. You are. You oh, sorry. You only froze for like a you, second. Yeah, like it was like split second. Oh, so did you yeah. hear all of that? Did I oh, get yeah. it? Right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. It was, like, it was like you were frozen for like a millisecond. You basically just skipped. All right. Yeah. You're like a you're like a CD in an old Walkman, you know. <laughs> but uh, back in my day, awesome. Walkman. I think that was tapes. I. I have I have a whole like I have a whole plethora of thoughts right now. But we are at the two hour mark, so I think I'm gonna save all of my additional commentary uh, for a later date because I have a lot of thoughts about. Uh, all of those numbers, taxation, uh, confounding factors. I have a lot of thoughts, uh, but I'm going to save it because we are at that two hour mark. Uh, Alex has a hungry, hungry dog over there. Um, I know that uh, I definitely want to get some dinner. I'm sure that Kristen uh, also wants to get some dinner and, and, and move on with her Saturday. So this is where we are going to wrap it up. First and foremost, thank you uh, to everybody who's not only still watching, but to everybody who tuned in uh, throughout the course of this show. And thank you. Huge shout out to the replay crew out there checking out the replays on Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter as well. For podcast listeners, if you're listening right now, there are two versions of this show available to you in audio-only format. You can listen to the entire thing, or you can check out just kind of the opening and the legislative rundown and the end of the show, just for all the need-to-know information as Alex just spills it. Um, spills it and puts it out there for everybody. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening to uh, the podcast, there are uh, there are two there are two versions. So depending on what 
what your you know what your time limit is, what your commute looks like, whatever uh, you have those versions available to you. Uh, if you have not yet joined Casa, please do. I don't know why you're just chilling here and you haven't gone over and joined Casa. It is free. It's absolutely free. It'll cost you zero point zero zero dollars to become a member of Casa. Uh, and you can get all of the lovely emails that uh, we send out, all the notifications, calls to action, things like that. There are a plethora of ways to get involved here at CASA, uh, whether that be calls to action, emails, uh, things like that, or like the petition that we talked about earlier that we're currently sharing around and we'll continue to bring up. Uh, please go sign the petition uh, for common sense things for the who. Come on, who? Uh, so go sign that petition, share it with all your friends and family, share it all over the interwebs. I think, I think that's all the things. Is that all the things? That's all the things. things. Is that all the things? All right, everybody. When, when we are. You when we are. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, time <laughs> zones. I'm real bad at, but we are live every Saturday, 4:30 PM Eastern, 1:30 PM specific anywhere else around the world. You're going to have to Google it. You're going to have to, I don't know, break out a globe that has time zones on it. Maybe spin that bad boy, figure out where you are and figure out when you are and then figure out when we are. Uh, so you got to do some math. I can't do that math for you. I'm bad at it, but I think that's it. Are we all here next week? Because I can't remember. There, there's a, there's a, a, a week coming up at some point where magical fun things are going to happen where we might not all be here. Two weeks. Is that yeah, two, two weeks, weeks from now? Okay, I don't even know what I don't even know what year it is. We will be yeah. here next yeah, week. Yeah. Let me yeah. know. <laughs> next next weekend, the gang will all be here. Yeah, we get into like the thralls of summer for me, and time just becomes irrelevant. You know, my my weeks and everything's going on, uh, and I'm just like, I don't even know what day it is. Like, I I think I hopped into Skype earlier this morning, and I was like, it's Friday uh, or yesterday. I was like, it's Friday. What? I don't even know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> uh, so so thank you everybody who tuned in. Uh, I hope everybody has a great rest of their weekend. Stay safe out there, everybody. Um, and we'll be back next week with more fun stuff. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about taxes. Maybe I'll give all those fun thoughts that are rattling around in my brain about uh, about all those numbers and taxes and things. Anyways, we're out of here, everybody. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Bye.